everybody it is time once again for the mowo show we are back we're going to take a look at last week's announcements one more time from the microsoft ignite conference as well we're going to look ahead and see what are we most excited for and when do we think it'll actually hit general availability and alex has got some tips on web webinars and registration hang on it's time for the mowo show And ladies and gentlemen, he is the pumpkin spice to my latte, Alex Henry. Alex, how are you doing? Just keeping it spice, keeping it spicy, keeping it fruity, and I do a little better with a little whipped cream on the side. How are you doing, Mr. Ryan? There you go. Uh, I could use another coffee at this point. Feels like. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you, so cheers, my friend. There you go. Oh, yeah. I've, so anyone ready? listening on the audio podcast, cheers your coffee cups. And there you go. It's nice and deep warm sip of this <laughs> delicious brew or if you don't drink coffee tea whatever whatever keeps you going in the morning um ryan what's been going on what have you been working on lately uh you know what it is um uh, it's q4 <laughs> which is always a fascinating time of of year uh you know seasons changing and things like that outside the the office window uh but inside it's already i'm already looking about 2023 and thinking about what do we want to accomplish and what do we want to plan for and uh, what are we most excited to see come from Microsoft and all of these sort of apps and services that we we help clients with. So very much been in a looking forward mood last couple of weeks. You're already thinking about 2023. That's where you and I differ. I barely looking past next weekend right now. <laughs> so uh, that's why we make a good team. You live in the moment. Yeah, And I, I live a few moments from now, something like that. So uh, one thing I've been trying out this past week, and this is something I swore, even I think in our last episode, I swore I wasn't ready to do. I've been trying out Whiteboard, Ryan. Hey, okay. Trying Microsoft Whiteboard out since your demo in the last episode. Um, it's I'm getting used to it. Uh, it's got some things in there I really, I've come to appreciate, because uh, I use, for context, I I have a note. I have a two-point device. I have a surface. So I get. I'd like to draw my notes on a canvas, and I've been using OneNote for a lot of that. But lately, the page format, the way it just structured, isn't always into. Oh, it oh, doesn't always work for me. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll try whiteboard. See what all the fuss is about. Whatever fuss there is, um, got some improvements to go. Um, it's, it crashes every once in a while on me while I'm just drawing on it. I'm not doing anything too fancy, but I am starting to see some of the vision that they're bringing into it. So it's still, you know, they're bringing in more tools. They're bringing in some of these features they promised a year and a half ago. It's really starting to come together. Um, there are going to be a few deal breakers along the way. Again, performance is going to be a big one. Um, if, if you're using a stylus on it, um, that's going to also be, that might also be a deal breaker. Uh, it might be my pen. I don't know. I think I ha I've had my, my surface for the past, was it three years now? And I've never changed the battery on the pen and I've never changed the tips. So maybe hmm. I'm the issue, but no, do you need to change the battery though? I don't think so. Doesn't it charge? No, they don't charge. No. It's a, oh. it's a, it's like, I think it's like a little battery. I can't remember what type it is, but it's a tiny little battery that you don't, you can't just go to like the department store to buy. So I think you have to special order it, but it's a really good one. 
and it's not, I don't think it's super expensive to change. I like the tips because the tips do wear out the more you use them. I didn't use my pen for too much. So that's, I think that's why I got some longevity out of it. Um, but lately I've noticed like my writing's getting sloppier than it already is uh, when I'm taking notes. So I think one of those two is starting to die on me. And if I had to take my bet, it's probably the tips. So I went on Amazon the other day to see how much it costs to replace these damn things. And it ranges from like 12 bucks for a 30 third party one for like a pack of three or pack of five to what Microsoft charges for theirs, which is, I believe, was it 60 to 90 bucks Canadian? So a vast jump in price <laughs> for tips on a stylus for tips on a stylus. Yeah. So it always becomes a question. Now I've had, like I said, I've been using the same tips. I've been using the same battery since I got this device several, like what, 2019, tw no, early 2020. So a couple of years and it's always been a great experience. And what I've been reading on the reviews just off Amazon is that the third party ones are good unless you're a professional drawer artist right. that's when you'll want to really invest into the good tips because they make the biggest difference whereas i'm not quite there yet so you know i'll i might try out some of these cheaper tips to see if i notice a difference and then worst case scenario i'd blow you know 15 20 bucks and have to replace them again but i don't know ryan maybe you can score some uh sweet uh, microsoft deals let me know yeah, hey, you know, Black Friday's coming up, so maybe. That is true. That's kind of what I'm waiting on to see if those go on sale. I don't know if they do because I've never really paid attention to the price. I never hmm. thought about replacing them until more recently when I started noticing issues. So, hey, if you oh. are out there and you use Surface devices, let me know what your favorite third-party tip is. A tip maybe about a tip tips. on your tips. Yeah, exactly. just, just the tip. Just the tip. Oh, um, and we're demonetized. Uh, so <laughs> what are we talking about today? This is, uh, Ryan, we're almost at episode 100. Hooray for this, is the, this is the Gretzky episode. This is the great one, right? Number 99. <laughs> this is the great one. No pressure. No pressure uh, at all. Yeah. So for today's episode, we're going to be, as Ryan mentioned, we're going to be talking about some recaps from Ignite 2020 last week, things that we are looking forward to, things that we think we're missing, and then we'll go and we'll finish off into demo land, I think. So, Ryan, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about some of the things that were announced last week that you're especially looking forward to? Right on. Uh, I mean, the things that I'm most looking forward to are the ones that are closest to being generally available. Um, you know, again, we, we follow Microsoft so closely and last week's show was quite interesting because we delayed the show because we thought we would catch more of the keynote. We didn't catch most of the important parts of the keynote for us. Modern work uh, is sort of a category of, uh, of products at Microsoft. Uh, but what had happened right before we came on the air last week was the, I guess, the press embargoes or the NDAs, everything lifted up. So all of the posts, all of the stories, all of the tweets that were already written sort of hit all at once. And if you remember last week's show, Alex, I had paper, I had pieces of paper because I was just going rapid fire through all of these different announcements to write down the things that um, sort of sparked for me. So um, now having had had some time to you know decompress and dive into to a little bit more of uh, of the announcements. Here's sort of my my top list of things, if you will, uh, in, and in no particular order or no particular priority. 
um, what we saw with improvements to Teams channels. I think that's going to be yes. a benefit. And that's something that will likely hit sooner than later and likely impact the most broadest of audience, which is all the people that we talk to about Microsoft Teams and using yeah. channels. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I know you, last week you made the joke is now we've got to go redo a bunch of training decks. We've got to go redo a bunch of marketing. We've got to go take a ton of new screenshots. Absolutely. Uh, but I am excited about those changes that it showed us because I think it will make posting in team channels more intuitive and easier to follow. Agreed. I've been looking a little closer at that actual um, at that announcement because that was one thing I was particularly excited for. And you and I were talking the other day offline and I was like, yeah, I don't think there's anything that really caught my eye, nothing I'm really looking forward to. And I was wrong. It actually is this new channel format because I'm starting mm -hmm. to see a lot of potential for it, a lot of really cool potential. Um, so anyone that hasn't seen the announcement yet or maybe hasn't been paying too close of attention, we've basically got a new design that's coming out to team channels where first the conversations are being flipped. So the newest is are are at the top now. So today, team channels, all the newest information is at the bottom. You have to scroll up to get the latest, which is basically counter to any social media platform, any other apps that use a similar posting format, it's always top to bottom. Microsoft did it completely backwards, never acknowledged it. And then now they're like, oh, hey, look what we did. So I'm like, you know, what? great, awesome, looks good. Because they did take a lot of UI elements, uh, or like design points from Yammer. Um, and they've been, we've been seeing more of that. So mm -hmm. basically, what you're getting is it's still team channels you still get a lot of those core functionalities but at the top you have the ability to create a new post or post an announcement question video clips so it makes it really easy to make a decision on what type of post you're going to make makes it a little bit more intuitive um just like it should be because announcements currently are hidden you have to do two or three clicks to even know that announcements even exist or a thing um and this also makes just i'm hoping this will bring some improvements to how posting and formatting works inside mm -hmm. of channels and especially when it comes to formatting your text it's not the cleanest right now but that's an argument for another day it's a discussion for another day so i'm hoping to see some improvements on that side replies are seeing an improvement here yep so is it, it, sorry i was about to say even something like pinning pinning a post in a team's channel currently is kind of nebulous where does it get pinned to it kind of stays in place, but you still got to scroll around to to find a pinned message. So again, this gift that you're showing on screen, uh, you see that they go to the three dots menu and they pin it. Hey, it stays at the top now. It stays where it should be staying. And not just that, but it looks like they made some improvements to the activity or the information feed or panel inside yeah. of the channel. So there it. it there is an information panel in team channels today. It's useless. There's Sparks. nothing yes. in there. Um, so in this newer version, you have a better look at everyone that's in your channel, the description, a list of all the pinned posts, regardless mm -hmm. of when they were done. Um, files that were shared inside the channel, probably recent files, like your top three most recent, it looks like, and some other stuff. But this is 
it, this again, this looks like a visual improvement. Adding on top of everything else they've they've done, including the new emojis, like what is like 600, 800 emojis that you can the add to your posts. Yeah. yeah, or the reactions. Sorry, um, it looks like there's just a lot of little improvements they've made to make this a little cleaner. So, yep. I'm hoping this will make channel adoption a bit more intuitive in the long run. So when I look at this, I think about how someone brand new to Office 365 might look at it. The obvious comparison to social media. So that's typically where I go, even if that's a negative word in, in enterprise environments. No, no, but sure. it's about what people are familiar with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think where this is going to improve, as you say, uh, not just adoption for, for folks that are new, but I think I have a gut feeling that this is going to benefit people that are parts of uh, or, or members of very, very busy, very, very active channels. Mm-hmm. Um, again, early days of Teams, you know, as as more people got onto it, um, channels grew, channels got a little bit larger. We've got the context now of private channels and shared channels. So there's different varieties of channels. And again, I think what's going to happen is almost like team sprawl. You kind of have we're going the other way now where we're doing ch- channel and team consolidation, which means the fewer channels that we have are going to be busier. They're going to be more active. Yeah. We've been so getting a lot be a of, way. Yeah. We've been getting a lot of feedback from clients about not just team sprawl, but channel sprawl. There's too yep. many channels. There's too, things are spread out too much. It makes sense. And the initial, um, I guess wisdom was like, hey, make a channel for any of these things. It's great. And you can collaborate. But we found that people just, had a hard time keeping track of all yep. this, all the information. So trying to find more ways to use channels more effectively, put more information into channels, fewer channels that are busier seem to be a little easier to manage in the long run because mm-hmm. you know where that information is going to be. Instead of being in five or 10 different places, it's in two or three. And you only have to worry about those two or three. It makes it a much easier environment to walk into when you're brand new to the suite, especially. Right on. Okay, next thing that I'm looking forward to, in no particular priority or excitement level, um, mesh avatars in Teams meetings. Now, again, you got to go back. You got to go back in the Moho Show time machine to, goodness, 2020 or 2021, when we first saw uh, mesh avatars. I don't think it was... It may have been the fireside chant and all of those goofy avatars. I can't remember the timeline. Yes, um, it was the same year. <laughs> yep. Okay. Fast forward a little bit later, sort of the next Microsoft event that we we participated in, it was, oh, meeting fatigue and camera fatigue. And you still want to participate in your meetings and you still want your colleagues to see your body language, but you maybe just don't want to be on camera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we've explored this over the last, I don't know, say year or so, talking about meeting fatigue camera fatigue, um, setting expectations for m- internal meetings or customer meetings. Do you want to be looking at the camera? Does it, you know, do your colleagues, are they okay if you're staring off into, you know, a, a different camera or a different angle, looking at your screen versus not looking at your screen? So fast forward now, again, Microsoft's still on that, you know, thought path. Uh, and the idea of having an avatar or a cartoon version of of yourself um again responds to what your camera sees but it is not you 
personally on camera. It's your avatar. So that mm -hmm. sounds like it's coming sooner than later. You'll be able to set up your avatar. You'll be able to make a, a, a me or a we or a avatar player of yourself. Hey, those are pre-branded names. You stay out <laughs> of that territory. But just, just to give people that sort of visual is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you've ever bowled on your Wii and you have those little people with the goofy little arms and hands, yeah, uh, same same thing here. It's just going to be from the belly up. So no legs. Uh, we will just have avatars as if we were on camera. Um, responding to our facial features and expressions and what we're doing and what we're saying and how our lips are moving, I guess. So do you think this will be widely adopted? And is it going to be by the management or is it going to be by staff that push this? I, I don't know. I mean, speaking, speaking personally, myself, um, I, I think I'd use this every once in a while just to maybe improve the staleness of some meetings and just give something different visu visually. Again, if you could tell that you're losing your audience or they're not quite engaged, it's just a tool that, that you can use maybe to, to change the context of a meeting. Would I do this with someone I'm selling something to? You know, if I was talking with a government representative was giving a speech or a presentation of, of some sort of very high pressure professional nature. I don't know. Would teachers use it with students? Perhaps. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. It's a fun thing. Would, could a, a uh, telemedicine, could a doctor use it with a child that's maybe, you know, scared of a doctor? You know, there's all kinds of interesting things there, but um, you know, maybe it's not something you use every time. And I probably wouldn't use my avatar to deliver bad news or, you know, something like that. Um, so I, I just, I'm, I'm captivated by the idea of you can still be there and still participate in a meeting, but if you're just not feeling up to it or you're having a bad hair day or something's going on, uh, you know, with yourself, you could, you could arrive as an avatar. I think it's, it's kind of fascinating. I still want to see how these work because they show these being really animated and doing these things with their arms and basically pushing towards being able to participate in 3D environments with your headset on and creating these kind of like digital hubs, virtual hubs that you can mm -hmm. sit and talk to the person next to you. Do I see this coming down the pipe in the next couple of years? No maybe 10 years if there's a really big push for it. Um, but I don't see a huge enterprise demand for it. This is really going to address the people that, like you said, have that camera fatigue or that meeting mm -hmm. fatigue. It's like, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to be on camera right now. I don't want to get my hair. I don't want to put my hair up. This is just, I just need to be on camera and people can see something, but it will very much depend on, what these avatars not necessarily look like, but how they work. Are they going to be a distraction? Because if they're just sitting there bobbling around on screen, making weird, funny faces, mm -hmm. might not be viewed too well by upper management in the more serious setting. A lawyer's office, a firm is not going to take that very well. <laughs> a doctor's office might, a uh, school, a classroom. I can see classrooms really getting into this and really pushing this uh, because kids are used to avatars. They have avatars for everything. Yeah. Um, the average business to business. Maybe. Maybe. Very much maybe. Because you know what? 
I would I would definitely use it. I would use it internally more often than anything else. Because, yeah. you know, most of our camera, like, you know, how many meetings do you have where you're just like, you know, camera off? I guess you're probably, you probably have your camera on. You love having your camera on. More more often than not, yeah. But but again, it's 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 a body language, it's a facial expression type of thing. So again, if you can still have that, mm-hmm. um, again, without the need of, of being all done up, um, again, case by case, I suppose. We'll have to see how Microsoft implements this for the non-virtual reality, the non-augmented mm-hmm. reality user, because we're still years away from bringing headsets into the oh, de- Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think this is going to be more akin to... Uh, on, on iPhone, you have the whatever emoji, whatever, and you can make it your face uh, or you can be one of the different yeah. animals. And, you know, when you look around, the thing changes. When you look up and down or when you speak, the mouth opens. I think that's going to be V1 uh, of this technology, mesh avatars. A couple of years ago, um, it was during one of our town halls, I was testing out OBS on uh, Teams to see if I can get the virtual camera to work. So if you don't mm-hmm. know an OBS yet, OBS is uh, for audio listeners or anyone watching. OBS is a open source platform that allows you to screen, record, stream video games or whatever you're doing on your computer locally. So it's a really popular program. And one of its features allows you to take, like, let's say a video feed from that application and feed it into another application. So I could take a picture of myself in OBS and feed it and turn it into my camera feed into zoom or microsoft teams or whatever so one day to test this out um i took a, a, an animated gif of um an among us avatar if you've ever played the game among us the, the little alien blobs with little visors and the little dude's just dancing around on screen in a repeating gif it has some flashy colors going on i think i got about five minutes into the meeting before i was asked to turn it off <laughs> It was I'm surprised you made it five minutes. I'm surprised you made it five minutes. No, but I've seen people do uh, like animated backgrounds, like a like a Max Headroom kind of a thing. I've seen uh, all sorts of creativity. And again, I think time and place. Time mm-hmm. and place. So I've got one more thing I want to cover before we move on to our next topic, which is uh, Loop. We haven't talked about Loop yet. And this is another, I think, one of the bigger things that is getting hype. But mm. I think there's some areas where it's not getting quite enough hype. So we talked about this a little bit last week. We know that the desktop app is slated to come out hopefully early next year, sometime next year. They're still saying 2023. That's the web app and the desktop app. And this is going to really push. This is going to be a big step in the roadmap forward loop because it's going to add pages it's going to add workspaces it's going to add it's going to really complete that loop environment with this new experience so really looking forward to that they're also adding a few new loops like votes and that is powered by microsoft forms and you had mentioned this last episode and i didn't get a chance because you know we joined really early i didn't get a chance to read it in depth but you had made a note saying that that new voting tool that they're bringing in is powered by forms. And I thought that was like crazy. I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. Are they actually doing that? And you're right. They are. And so this is the key step I'm talking about. This is going to be the really big push for loop. I think um, is the ability to take not just the loops and components that Microsoft gives you. They're, They're really basic today. You've got tables, you've got some task lists, you've got some things, but they're very basic. Now you take this new voting tool. 
powered by Microsoft Lisp, powered by polls. So you can take your loop for a poll, paste it into a Teams chat, paste it into a Teams channel, a Word document, a, a whiteboard, an email, and it's all it's all linked to the same source in your forms, in your wipe, in your OneDrive, wherever your forms are stored. So that is a really powerful tool. You can have your one survey posted in 10 different places and it's all coming to the same spot and you get to see those updates live. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. So I think I saw an example of this um, a few minutes ago. Let's see if I can find that again. And then I'm going to talk about those third-party integrations. But uh, let's see here. New, There we go. So new loop components, types, polls, and Q&A. So it, it just makes a quick note on here that this polls component that they're adding is powered by forms. And then you can actually start embedding this across Office 365. And wow, that's going to be really important for Loop. I think this is really what's going to help sell it and really get this adoption going because now it's really easy to take a document I'm working on, whether it's a Word document or something, add it to embed it into my email, and it's a live document. And taking this a step further, that's first party. What about third party? They're already working on this. So we've talked about adaptive cards in the past before. And if you don't know what an adaptive card is, it's a script that Microsoft has available. I think it's not PowerShell. I can't remember what it's built in. But you can basically make these custom cards that you can then pu publish to Teams and Outlook. And it contains all this custom information from other data sources like SAP or Salesforce or Dynamics 365, Power BI, et cetera. And they start, I think they started this last year, but they are trying to get third-party developer support in there. So imagine taking your Salesforce data and adding a card to a chat and updating it live. If you have, for example, you have to do some updates on a on your Salesforce dashboards or your Power BI dashboards, whatever, on a regular basis by just clicking a few buttons. But most of your process involves opening the app, going to the right place, looking for the information. What if all that stuff just came to you and all you have to do is, you know, click a few buttons, make a few choices, add your e-signature. You can do that directly in an email in theory using a loop component because it supports all those, all that functionality. So this is really what I'm looking forward to is loop components that take first and third party apps and bring it into where I'm working now. Um, so, you know me, I'd like my whiteboarding apps. I like my whimsical. I want to bring my whimsical whiteboards into an email and start sharing that live. So everyone can see the latest updates. I was testing this out. And one little note for me to gush about this, because I was trying loop out on a few different things. And it is how good this technology is for live updates, for live collaboration. Brian, it's almost instant. It is uh -huh. near instant. Now, we've been talking about live updating on Word documents and Excel, and it's pretty close, but there is latency in there, and it's noticeable latency, so it's not a live look. If I have my phone in one hand and my computer open in another, I can be writing on a loop component in my phone and watching it almost almost instant yep. update on my, on my computer. It is a really, really interesting technology. So... There's a lot, there's a really big future for this. Yeah. I, I was set up. 
And I was listening to, uh, I follow some other industry podcasts and uh, obviously specifically about Microsoft. And so think about this. So uh, again, we, we kind of know if you go back and, and, you know, read through the, the history books, um, Microsoft versus let's say Google and uh, Google Docs, right? Everybody believes that Google Docs is this sort of um, moment. That's where Microsoft started to get serious about Office 365 and putting all of these applications and services into the cloud and doing something like co-authoring. When you think about it, and again, this is not to uh, make any excuses or make anybody feel any pity for Microsoft, but when you think about the customers and the variety of customers that Microsoft has to support, and you look at something like Loop, and yes, we're kind of nagging that it's been a long time coming and it's slow and they make promises and then they extend deadlines. But again, you think about the infrastructure required to just make sure all of the permissions and stuff actually work. And that's sort of the, the podcast I was listening to on the weekend was like, these are really tough problems to solve. And, you know, someone came along like Google and Google Docs, they really didn't have all of that baggage uh, to they didn't have all of that need to support all of that. So, I mean, give give Microsoft some credit here because this is an idea that's been around really since client and server computing, putting one piece of data in one place and being able to update it simultaneously in real time um, and then layer on all of the governance and permissions and all of that enterprise fun, uh, internal sharing and external sharing, those are big hurdles, I imagine. And that's, I believe, why this is still in the oven. It's still cooking. Yeah, like the progress they're making on it looks pretty good, but I, mm -hmm. I still want to see more. I want to see more first-party integrations into Loop yeah. as its next phase. This, to me, is more important than the desktop app or web app. Still really important. I still want to yeah. see it. But I want to bring my to-do lists or my planner tasks into an email, put them into a reoccurring event at you know 12 o'clock. These are the things I'm working on for this client. Yeah. And just be able to check them off in my calendar as I go. Yeah, and it's gonna be interesting. And I think if, right. if the third party integrations are done right, you won't have to wait for the third party to integrate. So any type of platform, we always talk about extensibility and mm -hmm. you, you maybe got a really great CRM app, but you're waiting for them to have an email add-on or an email integration. Again, if you can have all of these things, but have citizen developers or an IT vendor or some, someone in the middle um, that can marry these things together and use loop components and use um, adaptive cards as kind of the gateway, then I think there's some really, really rich uh, potential there. So there's going to be some really big potential, especially if you're in the custom development side, you need to make yep. an app for, you know, anything. a department, anything yep. you're getting set up really well here. Yep. We'll see what yeah, the got, price point of that is, but yeah, I've got one more thing to share as far as looking forward to before we go to what we feel is missing, if that's okay. Okay. If you can humor me uh, one thing, and I know I mentioned it last week as well was some improvements coming to power platform in particular power apps and Power Automate. So I mentioned Power Automate, you'll be able to type in, in natural language, what are you looking to do? What are you looking to automate? And Power Automate is going to build the flow for you. You get to double check it. But again, using AI and ML to turn natural language into a flow. The second piece I was excited about that they showed off was being able to take a picture of a sketch and turn it into a Power App. 
So I made a sketch. I brought a prop, everybody. Uh, here's Ryan's really cool app. And you can see I've got some text fields, maybe a drop down, some radio buttons for yes and no, and a submit button at the bottom. With for our audio update. listeners, you will need to see this on video to see Ryan's highly detailed blueprints here of a power app. Yeah, and pardon the the chicken scratch writing. I, uh, I never got over that from from my high school days. So, anyways, you can mock up your app just by getting out pen, pencil. Um, I grabbed the sharpie. Uh, no, no brand affiliation there, but you can mock up in a sketch on a piece of plain white paper, graph paper, whatever you want. Take a picture of it with your smartphone, bring it into Power Apps. And again, AI and ML is going to run on that and say, hmm, looks like you want a text field here. Hmm, looks like you want to drop down multi-select here. Hey, these look like radio buttons. We'll put those in for you. And again, you get to validate it all before you, you sort of wire it all up. But boy, does that save uh, a good chunk of time. If you're designing an app screen by screen like that, sketch it up because you're likely going to do that anyways, mm -hmm. or sketch it in whiteboard and then print the whiteboard and then take a picture. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Save your whiteboard as an image and uh, and send it on up to Power Apps to build it for you. Just yeah. about. That'll be interesting to test one. Are you going to test that out next year? Absolutely. Uh, uh, and again, something that we do is we build Power Apps. We build custom Power Apps for our customers. Uh, I, I have a hunch that our Power Apps developer is going to want to do this too. Uh, again, skips a whole lot of um, back and forth. If it's sketched up, it could be a picture on a whiteboard. If you're going to do that anyways with a customer, so doing that mock-up and discovery phase, you can skip a whole bunch of steps. So I think speed to completion is uh, is going to be improved with a tool like this. I I would hope so. I mean, it's so important to sketch out your processes. It's like one of the first things they teach you when you take any mm -hmm. programming courses, write it on paper, just yep. write your process down, get your steps laid out, your decisions mapped out, because it makes such a difference before you start coding. So a wisdom I wish I took more seriously when I was taking programming classes back in the day. All right. Let's keep moving, uh, Ryan, in two minutes or less. Let's talk about things that we missed. Pick one thing that you missed last uh, that you were hoping to see that didn't show up this Ignite. Uh, again, to go back to Loop, I was really hoping to see more stuff that we could get our hands on, stuff being generally available. They've had a year and, and some. Uh, it would have been nice for that Loop app to be, hey, guys, it's available. Uh, but so still in preview, um, private preview, I believe is the, the terminology. I don't so. even think it is, or maybe, maybe it's, is it like in private preview? I, I don't even so. know if it is. I'll, I'll go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure it's in, in some sort of private preview. You got to be chosen. I guess you get a fancy letter in the mail or something like that. Yeah, probably. So again, I, I would have liked to have seen the desktop and the web app for Loop a little bit further along, but again, yeah, I think in time it's going to get a little better. Mm -hmm. um, we saw we did see some screenshots from Loop, um, the web app specifically. It doesn't look like it's changed too too much, but it did look a little. Um, like it has evolved a little bit, but I, I can tell, you can tell Microsoft has been putting more of the attention on the components and that tech itself than the desktop app, I think, or the web app. But time will tell. I think we'll at least be, I hope we'll be able to get our hands on it by 
and a key one next year. <laughs> that I'm, is I'm, I bet you thinking. Yeah, and I bet you by the first big Microsoft conference next spring, um, for sure by Ignite and Inspire, sorry, Build is for devs, Inspires for partners, somewhere in that stretch. That's my guess. All right, so the one thing I'm missing from I was really hoping for is an update on the next platform for Teams. I'm talking about the underlying tech mm -hmm. that moves Teams away from Electron. So... For those of you not familiar with this whole, what is Teams built on? Uh, basically, Microsoft built it on a technology that is basically flexible to be published in multiple formats. It's flexible to post on Mac OS, on Windows, mobile, when, um, on your browser. That's why Teams is available on all these different platforms, because it's scalable. But there are a lot of issues with Electron as a technology. Microsoft's probably addressed a lot of them on their, with their own fork of it, but it still comes down to how much the performance requirements it demands on computers and how well it runs on uh, lower spec computers. So if you have an old laptop at the office and you don't have the budget to get a new one, using Teams might be a little harder for you than the next person that's using a bit more of a modern machine, mm -hmm. which is why we always get this this like mix of people saying, oh yeah, Teams works really well for me. And other people that are like, Teams is killing my computer like as I speak, like what is going yeah. on? And that really just comes down to the technology underneath. So when Microsoft announced Windows 11 in 2020, we're like, or 2021, whatever it was, we they basically kind of start showing off what Teams 2.0 could look like. And it turned out to be the modern or sorry, the consumer version of Teams, very light, very basic, but it definitely got everyone thinking about what that Teams 2.0 would look like. And we call it 2.0, maybe it's you know 10.0 at this point, who knows? But at the end of the day, there is a really big demand to get Teams away from Electron and onto something a little bit more stable. And Everything else that Microsoft seems to be doing outside a team seems to be suggesting that. I don't know what they're building. Um, I don't know what they're building Lupin, but that seems to be as whole. It, it, the design language on it mm -hmm. is very different from anything else we've seen. We're seeing Microsoft get away from or push away from their classic desktop apps for Outlook and moving them towards Outlook on the web using Edge View or some more HTML-based uh, programming languages. I'm not really sure about the developer techno the technology side of it, but it is a shift in the back end. And I don't think anything else outside of Teams uses Electron. So it's it still sets as an outlier in Microsoft's portfolio of what they're using. So it is not going to be an easy shift and it's not going to be a light shift. But I'm hoping, I'm really, really hoping that the, the arm making steps in that direction to say, you know what? We're updating it. It's all going to be web-based. It's you're going to get this wrapper. Maybe it's a you know like a PWA, but it's going to vastly improve the performance across it and change a lot of the underlying technology. Um, one of the things I, th th this always comes into mind for me because when I'm writing something in Teams long form, typing in Teams can be a headache at times. And part of me goes, why is typing the thing we've been using computers for <laughs> arguably the longest since yeah. punch cards should not be this hard in a modern application? 
where I'm trying to bold a line of text in my paragraph and teams can't figure out what I'm trying to do. I turn it off, it turns itself back on, and then it doesn't. It's just all over the place and how it handles text. Yeah, so bulleted I, lists in, a, in in Teams chat. Oh my God, that was a whole debacle <laughs> a while ago. So I'm not going to, I'll save that story for another day. We've talked about it on the show in mm-hmm. the past, but that's a prime example of, you know, one of the many reasons to get away from electrons. So we didn't see yeah. any discussion about that this um, ignites. So that was pretty disappointing. But as always, twenty twenty three, right? And and again, you look at the different shows that Microsoft does for different audiences. Maybe that's a build announcement. You know, maybe that's something for devs for the really yeah. really uh, heavy duty uh, type of tech professionals developing. I still believe that somewhere out there in the world. Um, someone's going to take something that I said in the past very seriously, the saying Teams is just as important of a platform as Windows is and sort of was to history. So I still believe we're going to see, you know, like you have a Chromebook and you have a netbook, right? These very, very low powered uh, devices, most of the activity happens through the browser. I'm willing to say we're going to see Teams books or Teams tablets. Again, very, very specific devices that only run Teams. That's my mm. guess. That's my guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Teams is that important. It is important, but it is one piece of a broader tech. I'm going to take your idea, and I'm going to say we're going to see Edge books. Edge books. It's going to be books. built. It's going to be built on Edge because no, absolutely. Microsoft is already putting a lot of the technology in that Edge platform. It is Chromium. It's the same technology that Google uses for Google Chrome and other browsers. But Microsoft has really taken their own fork of it, as I understand. Mm-hmm. And I could see them because they're really they're pushing a lot of different things into Edge. And from sidebars to app launchers, note-taking devices, they are, in my opinion getting pretty close to being able to say, hey, here is a Surface Go 3. And this version of it is only on Edge. It is a browser-based experience. There's no desktop app. That I don't know. I, I don't think that'll actually be a Surface device or it won't be a Surface Go because those typically use full Windows or it used to be a, light, a, a lighter version of Windows. I don't know if they still do that. You got to call it something totally different. I think it can't be Windows anything. It can't be Surface. It can't be a brand that exists today. It needs to be something totally, totally different. All right. I got one. Okay. Edge case. Edge case. Get me the edge case laptop. Yeah. You put your edge book in the edge case. That's how it goes. (laughs) All right. Uh, So that's kind of what we're, those are some of the things that we were looking forward to that did not show up. There's probably more, but we're going to keep, the show going because I've got a small demo that I would like to. I would like to. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this audio only version of the Mobo Show. If you want to see the full episode, including demo segments such as Watch and Learn or Feature vs. Feature, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash Team Mobo. We'll have links for you in the episode description. Take care.